There are 7.5 billion people on planet Earth, and scientists say you can only make friends with 400 of them. Jacob already has 400 friends, so now he can only talk to strangers. This is a podcast with strangers. Welcome to a podcast with strangers. It's been a while, but uh, we're glad to see you again. I am joined today by my incredible, estranged, and yet ethereal is that the word ethereal co-host dallas mr dallas how have you been good 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 just good good yes just good all right yeah yes but to put a little twist on things we've actually got another co-host it's the three of us the trinity the holy trinity the father the son and the holy chris it's him himself it's chris i feel um underdressed now well what are you wearing (laughs) that's a uh, a shirt and and, uh, sleeping pants Oh, cool. Sleeping nice. pants? Yeah, like sleeping a sleeping pants. bag, but pants? Yeah. Nah, it, they're sweatpants, but I only sleep in them. you have any pattern on them? Nope, they're black. Oh, okay. Riveting start, I think you'll agree. So I sleep on a bed, <laughs> but you can sleep on pants, I don't care. This is why people tune in for this exact thing. So, for you, dear listener, we're going to do things a little bit differently this time around. We have got four feature-length episodes to release each one of them has got an incredible person if they didn't we wouldn't release it we value your time obviously um we've got uh, a cosmic nun we've got somebody who can bend space uh we've got shovelware expert and we have somebody actually pretty pretty famous on the internet uh i think i think you guys agree with that right she's pretty famous she's, yeah yeah i yeah. knew who she was right. more famous than us Oh, well, that's 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 not hard. I saying something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just say Mark Hamill. You know, talk to her. Oh, she well, talked yeah. to Mark Hamill. Yeah, she's that, besties. That's famous. She's besties. We stand. So yeah, we got four episodes this time around. Each one feature length, and yeah, I I genuinely think you'll have a whale of a time. So, what is this episode, Chris? What's this one called? Yeah, Chris. What's this one? Go on, Chris. Um, I, uh, it's uh, the Sister Who episode, right? Sister Who. Not ding, like, ding, ding. Not like Doctor Who. Not like Doctor Who. I think no. you bring up Doctor Who and she gets upset with you. She, he, they. He, they. You're going to have to find out what pronouns they use in this episode of a podcast with... Strange. All right. We got to work on this. <laughs> We've got to work on this. Enjoy. Hello, and joining us here today is Sister Who, also known as Reverend Denver Navarre. I did say that right, hopefully. Yes, I'm getting a smile, so I hope that's right. Reverend Doctor. Reverend Doctor, my God, okay. Way more qualifications than I've got. Uh, coming all the way from Colorado. So Sister Who, if, if people aren't aware of who Sister Who is, um, I think it'd be fair to say that they are um, a, a spiritual, an internet spiritual um, force, just a, a, a very unique, creative, insightful person that is captivating just just by the website alone. So having you here by the interview is a, is a huge honor. But how would you, Sister Who, describe Sister Who? There are a number of different descriptions one could use. Um, one is that it's an incarnation of the tribal archetype of the sacred clown, which is a rather involved topic in and of itself, because some people are not familiar with that. And 
to the best of my study, there have been sacred clowns in tribal societies all the way back, all the way back to the beginning of humanity. They seem to have a common function and yet have a wide range of different appearances, forms and methods. A lot of times when people will see me in ritual garb, their first, uh, in, their first reaction is to equate it to a circus clown. The distinction right. I make between circus clowns and sacred clowns is that sacred clowns are oriented to meaning and growth. Circus clowns are oriented to laugh. The connection right. between the two, I interpreted that there were times when the sacred clowns would be so insightful and on target that it would promote nervous laughter. Yeah. And then over time, it kind of reversed to where clowns began going for the laughs instead of going for the growth. Mm. The circus you think goes for laughter. The sacred clown goes for the growth that may or may not produce laughter. Do you think there's... um? So when we think of clowns, we think of humor. And do you think there is a, an intrinsic truth in in in, in humor and, and, and that sort of... Because that's what people associate clowns with. Necessarily. Um, right. Okay. Humor can, um, humor can be used two different ways. Sure. Uh, and I've met people who do each of the ways. One is that they use humor to deal with a tense situation, to mm -hmm. relax the tension so that you can deal with what's underneath it. Mm -hmm. um, the other are those who divert to humor so that they don't yeah. have to deal with the depths because it's uncomfortable to be that intense. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite examples was a movie that came out, I think, in the 1980s uh, called Short Circuit. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. hysterically funny, but if you listen to what they're saying, it is really amazingly profound. And even the caption on the movie poster that declared quite quite directly, life is not a malfunction. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Of course, within the movie, it's the argument between the robot and his creators uh, when he says, I'm alive, and they say, you know, you're malfunctioning. And he says, life is not a malfunction. Right. That is very deep. I believe, um, for the viewers at home, I believe that robot was Johnny Five. Johnny Five is alive. I think that was the, um, <clears throat> yeah. And that was the one. the second movie, I think, is just as good as the first one. Very often sequels are not, but Short Circuit 2, I yeah. think, is every bit is recommendable. Well, I haven't, I don't think I've ever actually seen them. Um, so I think that's what me and, I think that's homework for me in Dallas. We should check out the, uh, the Johnny, the Johnny Five. It's I I'm, I don't want to mean make you feel old or anything, but they're before my time. I was I'm a, nine, I'm a 91. You remember what George Burns said when they asked him to what he attributed his longevity? I do not. The fact that I haven't died yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> Still kicking. All right. So for me, um, the internet is is one of the, the the greatest places to express yourself. It's it's a place where you can do almost anything. You can you can put anything within reason um, out there. Your website, the uh, sister who sorry, let me just read out the sisterwho.com. That's an easy one to remember. Um, is a it, there's a rainbow background, and there is just a wealth of content out there. Uh, we're talking. You have four albums where you have the you have the clips of the songs. You have a calendar. You have pictures. Um, yeah, there's 238 pictures. Wow. There are 
22 years of newsletters on there. Wow. Um, and there's a link to the YouTube channel where I think there's somewhere between three and 400 television shows at this point. Yeah, unbelievable. So the, the one thing I wanted to add in that is that I have been Sister Who for over 30 years at this point. Right. The memories and the experiences that uh, are involved in that are so vast, there's no way we can cover them in this time. Of course, of course. We'll give you a lot of information, but there's even more than what you find in the website. Yeah, I bet. And and so how long has the website been about for? Because obviously, you know. Uh, without looking at the chronology pages on the website, I think uh-huh. it was somewhere around 2009. Okay. No correction. I think, um, I think it was 1998, actually, when the website first launched. Right. 2009 is when the U- when the television shows went to YouTube. Yeah. Um, and the newsletter also started in 1998. Well, what I love about it is that the internet has changed. We're on what's called Web 3.0. So websites have these like sort of flashy buttons or perhaps, you know, um, they have little functions in them. But your website is remarkably... What I'd call it retro because it's coded in HTML and everything like that, and it's very easy to see on like your phone, any sort of device. Like it's easy, it's easy to load, and there's no pop-ups or anything like that. So, is it going to stay that way forever? Are you just going to keep it as simple as possible with the rainbow background and everything you need to do, or do you have plans to update it and you're going to have some sort of magical transformation um, to update it to the 2020? web maybe even 4.0 um the website is still of my own creation i don't have fantastic that for me and my Mm -hmm. technological abilities are somewhat limited in that sense but also Mm -hmm. the reason it will probably stay that way is because among other things we discovered um long after becoming sister who actually um discovered that i'm autistic right um and because of that, I tend to um, I tend to utilize and approach language very literally and very mm-hmm. sequentially. Mm-hmm. And so I sometimes tell people I can't think in more than one direction at a time. Right. And so in that sense, that very linear sequential kind of organization is what I bring to the website. Mm-hmm. You only have to look in one direction at a time, and everything can be diagrammed like a flowchart. Yeah. I often have trouble with websites, actually, because any website I go to has a hundred more links than I know what to do with. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. And, and this is what me and Dallas both, well, I'm talking for Dallas here, but this is what we appreciate because, you know, if if we want to see something, because when we're doing research, no, if, like, I don't want to sound creepy, but we were doing research on you. That sounds, that sounds stranger than it means, but we're trying to figure out, you know, if you were suitable to be on the show. And it was just like, okay, well, here's songs. You click songs, you get songs. It's it's that it's that remarkable. But another thing that that caught me was the fact that there are so many photos on there, and there's no way that you did all of these photos of yourself in one day. So, how often does uh, do you go out as as dressed as yourself as, as Sister Who, and do you have any? anybody around to help you or is this just a a one sister show most often i'm lucky to get one person who's willing and able to act as a camera operator because i can't be on both sides of the camera at the same of course yeah Um, each year i try to do at least 24 new shows 
Mm-hmm. And uh, each year we also try to do an inspirational calendar that has a need for 13 new photos each year. So those photos will keep increasing by 13 new photos at least every year. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one that um, really blew the lid off in a way was uh, a couple, two or three years ago when we were able to create the Tarot of Sister Who. Yes. Um, an entire deck of photographs of Sister Who. There were 78 photos that had to be taken just for that deck of all these very specific configurations. Yeah. And then we specifically timed them to happen in four seasons of the year. So there's some in the spring, some oh. in the summer, some in the fall. Yeah. Um, so the seasons change in the backgrounds of the pictures also. Very cool. Um, very complicated work. Let's see, we do 24 new episodes of the show, 13 photos for the calendar. Yeah. There are now nine morality plays that I've written that we want to put on video. There were some earlier versions that are on the YouTube channel. Yeah. The first three, there's now nine. So six of them have never been put on video yet. Uh, yeah. The problem with the first three, I was told, is that they're not actually HD video. And because they're not HD video, the local public access organization won't play them. Oh, okay. Because they will only play HD video now. So that essentially gives us the task of re-recording the first three and first recording the remaining six. Yeah. But in all of those, because I'm actually an ordained interfaith minister, um, I try to make everything Sister Who does applicable to people of any belief system or not wow the broadest sense of human spirituality i can manage yeah um i think there was you know and i and i tried to do it without any dogma or discrimination Uh there was one show where i commented that if it's not making you a wiser and more loving person i think you're doing it wrong because it seems that's a great that's a great thing to think every philosophy and religion i've ever uh discovered it all comes back to pursuits of wisdom and love so you are you are ordained an ordained multi was it multi-faith interfaith interfaith so i'm assuming that's just everything between all the faiths it's not necessarily including all the faiths but operating between all of them excellent so people of any belief system or none so you can officially you can do marriages is that what that means yes (laughs) <laughs> I say me and Dallas, but Dallas just got married, so I missed out on that one. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next time. So yeah. you can do um, baptisms, I'm assuming, or uh... any, any religious ritual you want. Um, wow! I did create a workshop once called Rediscovering Ritual and Making It Personal, but I've mm. never been able to find anyone who wants me to present it. But it's essentially a two-day workshop that looks as at ritual as a language where yes. you decide what it is you need to embody mm-hmm. and how can I illustrate that and add some songs, add some motions. And by making it something you do rather than just something you hear or listen to or observe or mm-hmm. you're an active participant in your ritual. And I love uh, that. That's such a great subject for me, by the way. So we're probably going to go down this. <laughs> well, it's, it's, uh, there was a saying, I don't remember who said it first, uh, he who sings prays twice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, does that mean if you sing and dance your prayer that you're doing it three times? 
And if you're doing a ritual on top of it, maybe that's equivalent to doing it four times. Right. The point is to make it as empowering as possible to whatever transition or growth uh, you're trying to go through. Mm -hmm. I was privileged to witness uh, a ritual a number of years ago that was the most amazing, empowering divorce ritual I've ever seen. A divorce ritual? A divorce ritual. They wanted wow. to be sure that it did not have negative repercussions throughout the community uh, or the, the body of, of believers, I guess you'd say. Wow. And so they made this a ritual the whole community could attend so that when these two people separated, it would not have any negative repercussions in the community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things they did was to bring in, um, a, it's a common house plant called pathos. It's, it's a vine. Uh, and essentially, there were three vases on the altar. And the vine was in one vase in the middle. Part of the right. ritual was cutting the vine in two and putting one in each of the side vases. Wow. So that each person went home with a living vine to plant. Yeah that they could now grow in their own directions. That's so cool. But I love... Um, so it, for me, I find a very interesting correlation. Of, it's going to be interesting for Dallas because we've never talked about this before. But um, for example, the, uh, American football players in a locker room, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say that before they go out for a game, they touch the door frame before they go out and that's their ritual they touch it for good luck okay and i find it interesting how doing something as a routine as a ritual for good luck is as is the same in some religious circumstances as um touching a crucifix for example mm -hmm. or swaying sage as they walk up the aisle of a church there are these things that we do that mean because we want something else to happen or we'd like something else to happen or we're sending a certain um, thought or feeling with that. And I find that kind of ritual... That, I don't think... I mean, I don't know if you agree with this, but um, when you look at things like magic and intentions, because there's that thing with the... Um, uh, what's it called? The, the law of attraction. If you if you can, if you think it, it will happen, which is essentially prayer. You're interacting with the non-physical parts of reality. Right. Exactly. And if you, to me, there's no difference between if you just believe hard enough, you're you're pushing some button somewhere, which is just that's just prayer, and that's just the same as the law of as the law of attraction or a sigil. I don't know if I said that right. Sigil, sigil. Um, to me, those things are exactly the same. So I don't know what your take on that is, because as far as I know, like there's, there's multiple implications to that, because sure. and you can do the ritual with intention, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, or you can slip into the habit of acting out the ritual and not even thinking about it, where it becomes a totally meaningless gesture. Uh huh. Um, on the flip side, to avoid approaching this narcissistically, sure you don't get to impose your intentions on the entire world. Absolutely. The world remains now and always a shared space <laughs> with billions of overlapping intentions, agendas, rituals, etc. Yeah. So in one sense, what we have to live with is what results from the convergence 
of all these different rituals and intentions. Yeah. You know, if um, there was a comic I saw many years ago of um, some two men playing church league softball, and right. one is the catcher at home plate saying, let me get this guy out. Right. And the other one right. is, let me make this home run. Yeah. Somebody's going to be disappointed. Exactly. And, and if and if you think of that on, I, I, it's so great that you brought that because if you think of something on like, um, well, I'm going to use the American word, but like the soccer World Cup, right? The, 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 the football, I would call it footy, but you know, you got two opposing sides and they're both praying. So imagine like Spain and Portugal, both like Catholic uh, nations. They're both praying to the same God. Uh, he's he's in the middle going well <laughs> what am i gonna do it's like a spiritual warfare on the on the on the physical plane you've got you've got the ball being kicked and then above you've got like a you've got like an intention war um that's when you have to invite that the game is about more than the score and the game mm. is about more than simply the actions it's about right. what happens in the people there was right. a wonderful movie made a number of years ago. I don't remember what it's called or what year it was, but it was called Angels in the Outfield. Okay. Where angels actually get involved in helping this team win. And in the <laughs> analysis, of course, they do win. And isn't that wonderful? But yeah. what you see through the unfolding of the movie is that it's not about winning the game. It's about sure. the difference that happens within the players. And right. they become different people than they were at the beginning of the movie. Right. See, it sounds absurd from the start, but the more you look into that, the more because like, why would angels care about sports? But then obviously you dig deeper, and then it's okay. It's about the transformation, and I'm guessing that's what Sister Who is about as well. It's about trying to 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 be. Um, I don't know if, if Catalyst would be a bit of a, a strong, or perhaps it's not. I don't know, but is it more of like inviting introspection through your the the sacred clown uh, work and things like that? I started out Roman Catholic. Mm -hmm. At the time I was 11 and 12, diverged through multiple forms of Protestant, both Pentecostal and non, as well as interfaith religions and Buddhism and New Age and all sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think what I found most fascinating is that they really weren't as different as they thought they were. Right. Everyone is changing the names and the forms, mm -hmm. but in essence and in progression, they're really not... Um, they really not do anything that different from each other. Mm. The, the point as an interfaith minister is that whomever sure. I meet, whether they identify as atheist or whatever religion, mm -hmm. it's not about telling them what to believe. It's about helping them find the next step. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've met some atheists who are the nicest people, you know, you've ever come across. And it's not necessarily about what you believe or what you don't believe is about the actions that you do and not necessarily doing them in the name of anything. You can, you can just do them because you believe that it's a good thing to do. Yeah, that, in the name of goodness. In the name of goodness. Doing them in the, the name of having a, a, a decent universe to live in. Right. Well, but, but then the, the, the theological uh, response from religious people would be, well, what do you define as good? Because some people would define like, you know, some I, then we're then we're getting then we're getting into it you know that was actually one of my doctoral papers Ooh. um okay i've at this point i've written i think 600 pages of doctoral writing but in any Good lord 
one of the 100 one of the 100 page papers was the definition of morality within cross-cultural and interreligious context yeah and coming down to where morality essentially has to do with something living or dying those things that are described as empowering life are described as good and the mm -hmm. things that take something away from life are described as bad and right. so in trying to understand somebody from a different culture one might ask what do you think you're going to lose if we do this what is the loss and the as i was going through theological school and everyone is so obsessed with the categories and i keep saying yes but it's all very individual and it's very right. particular and right. what's right in one situation not necessarily right in another but but it comes down to trying to understand each other in a more holistic sense mm -hmm. um, and um uh the category if you will that i finally came up with uh is the mystics mystics are recorded as having occurred in every religion you can name right the interesting thing is that they have more in common with each other than they have with their own religions the three things that i found that they all seem to have in common however one was that they are more focused on the essence than the form mm -hmm. two is that they focus on the questions more than the answers so they really get involved in dogmatic disputes right yeah. the fascinating thing is that having thereby conceived of the divine as mostly mystery mm -hmm. this intense relationship with the divine that affects every moment of their lives this is this is uh extremely you know when me and dallas came across you we thought we would be talking to somebody who uh, we were we were we weren't expecting this level of, of depth and we're so we're so thankful that that, that it, ha it has reached that level of of depth in terms of the face paint and ritual garb sure yeah one or more symbolisms behind every single detail none of it is accidental or just because it it felt good or, or I wanted to be pretty or whatever. No, there have been a number of times where I've tried to go through all the symbolisms and I can't do it in a half hour. Right. There's just too much. But can we ask about one thing of the outfit that me and Dallas have both been interested in? Okay. So, and I'm, you've got about four minutes to answer this. No, 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 uh, <laughs> but there is a window in your, in your, um, outfit is that to do with the seeing into the heart it, it's actually fairly simple okay it's essential to always let a little bit of who you really are show okay that's great there are so many people who spend their entire lives hiding mm -hmm. their careers their clothing um their fascination with this or that club or music style uh, there's so many different things you can even people who spend their entire lives hiding behind their church and they never right. really answer the question of yes, but who are you? And uh, one of the, on a comedic note, one of the witticisms someone has coined is if you are what you do when you don't, do not. Right, we're gonna have to listen to that one back for me to actually work out. Painter, you don't exist the minute you stop painting. Right. If you're an auto mechanic and you fix cars and you say, who are you? And say, I'm an auto mechanic. Well, when you stop fixing cars, it's like you don't exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And the activity needs to be the expression of the person, not the identity of the person. 
That's that's so that's so good. Well, it's 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 like um, not to get personal about myself, but if I don't if I don't make something, if I don't have a project in my head that I'm working on, I feel lost because I'm like I need to have something in my head that I'm building up or I'm tweaking or tinkering on. Whether that gets made is another story. Procrastination happens, but but if all those were taken away, yes, you're still a creative individual sure. would find something new to do. The more you know that creative individual, the less hampered you would be by such a transition. Incredible. I we've got three minutes left, and I want to ask another question, but I also don't want to put the time. I don't want to. I'll try to be succinct. Um, so sister, who you have a tarot set out. Do you know how to read tarot? I've done it a number of times, but I tend to do it uniquely. Okay. To me, it's not about making predictions. It's about gaining insight. Quite often, people will have a problem with which they're wrestling, and they and it's like a plate of spaghetti. They can't figure out where one end is and, and how to organize it. Yeah. For God knows what reason, um, when you start drawing these cards, things will fall into a clear focus and a clear structure that you'll find yourself going, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way. Right. Leave the reading feeling like you know what to do now. Yeah. Um, it reminds, is, is, does, isn't that a, re a reminiscent of the, is it Tolkien who said, don't ask the elves because they'll say yes and no. You won't, you won't get a specific yes, and you won't get a specific, like, there's no point in going to the tarot like, oh, should I break up with my boyfriend? Because you're just never going to get, like, a yes. You're probably going to get something a bit more insightful, like, why are you asking? Or what problems are you having? Or what would you like to happen next? Yeah. You know. If you leave, this is something you need to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. If you stay, this is something else you need to keep in mind. Right. And Absolutely. you have the power to make either choice yeah but each choice comes with consequences and effects and implications absolutely absolutely welcome back to a podcast with strangers you've hit the halfway mark and you know before in the previous series we we did a little skit we did a little bit of fun you know um what was that fish shop i forgot that fish shop that we talked about in one episode uh. Sh sleeves 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 sleeve something fish up i did a bit of investigative journalism you know i went out to the to the outside bathroom you know we've had a bit of fun chris what was your favorite thing that we did from the past from the past series oh uh you guys uh were uh talking uh to to people those are my favorite parts yeah i, I like that one too if you were about yeah. to ask me i liked it when we talked to the strangers <laughs> Look, it was like a year ago. It was right. like a year ago. So, yeah. It's been a while since we listened yeah. to these episodes. Uh, so, so this time around, I'm just going to do a bit of uh, a retrospective question. What is the best thing that you guys have bought, purchased, be that physical, virtual, whatever, over the past year? What is the best thing that you've bought? Oh, man. That's in my 3D printer. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. What have yeah, you made? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I made Dallas a dice tower. I still haven't sent him. Oh, cool. Yeah, but what kind? What does it look like? It looks like it looks like the the Gray Skull. Yeah, Castle Gray Skull. Castle Gray Skull, man, for sure. That's cool. I made him. I made him print that. Yeah, he he drove to my house and made me print it. Mm. I think one of the coolest things I bought recently was I made Chris buy me some role playing games. 
So Wait, I didn't really buy it, but I think I was part of the purchasing process. To be clear to the viewers at home, role-playing doesn't have a sexual uh, connotation here. It's it's like Dungeons and Dragons or, or Pathfinder. You know, it's that kind of role-playing. Yeah. I'm feeling a trend going on here, Dallas. What? So far, what? everything that had to do with anything purchasing, it's benefiting you. <laughs> I mean, that's why we buy things, right? You're right. I to think benefit me. one of my favorite purchases over this past year has been a thing called a Selk bag, S-E-L-K bag. Uh, it's a wearable sleeping bag. I kind of like a big baby. I'm also bold, so, you know, kind of uh, lends into the... like Chris's pants? Like Chris's sleeping Yeah, what pants. color is it? It's blue. It's blue. Um, oh my God, it looks like... It looks so dumb. You look, look like, like a <laughs> you look like a marshmallow man. All right, you look like a microwave safe alien. Yeah, okay, but I'm very cozy and warm in it. So you know who's winning now? Does it come in leather? What's the point? No, it does not come in leather. What do you think? Is it Mad Max? Is something wrong with Mad Max? Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with Mad Max, but I'm not going to be walking around my house in a giant leather suit. Why are you walking around your house in a giant I, sleeping bag? <laughs> because it's cold. <laughs> but you can't pick up, or does it have handholds? Oh yeah, it has sleeves. Yeah. Oh, so it's just a bodysuit, just a thick bodysuit. Yeah, That's but cool. for adults, not babies. Yeah. So it's a onesie. Yeah, but padded. Like, oh. And you could go to sleep with, wherever you are. Yeah. Oh, that's I, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting sold. Is it cold in the UK? Like, Yeah, it's freezing. Yeah, do freezing. You, do you have an issue with a lot of people falling asleep outside? Yeah, they're called homeless people. You have an issue with homeless people? Yeah. Chris, you're going to have to edit that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm doing that. <laughs> uh, oh, it's good to be back, and immediately we're fucking diving the plane into the ground. All right. I just don't get why they're called Selk Bag. I don't, I don't well, know I either. It sounds weird. It sounds not... Mm. It just doesn't sound right. Yeah, I think they're made by uh, by Chilean people and 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 South American people are um I don't know they're built different so maybe silk I mean, means something in Chilean. Oh, so it's like designed by like they invented it. Yeah, I got a friend from Chile, Chile, so I can I'll ask him. Okay, all right, and if you're from Chile listening at home, uh, please uh, get in touch. I don't know how you would, but I don't know. Just do your best. All right, <laughs> so email us at podcast oh, stranger slash. Oh, wait, That's, we do? We do. A podcast with strangers at gmail.com. That's right. We actually do have an email address. Jesus. Yes. I never check it. So, but, you know, <laughs> it, it'll be there. You know, it'll be, you know. Yeah. Email some stuff, please. Yeah, yeah please. please. God, we need something else besides the junk mail that he's getting. Oh. All these Nigerian princes, man. That's the only people who will talk to us. I do get junk mail. It's true. All right. Let's get back to the sister who interview. Welcome back, and we are joined today with Sister Who, otherwise known as Dr. Reverend Denver Navarre. See, I got it right that time. I remember the two, um, the Reverend and the Doctor part. So, um, just a little bit before um, we kicked off the second part, we were talking about Sister Who's appearance, um, and and you just told me off camera, and something that's gonna shock Dallas. You said that it takes three hours, three hours for the face paint to be applied. Um, yeah. and Every single time for the last 30 years, even when I have gone to events that were like three three to five day events, mm -hmm. um, somebody asked the next day, 
whether I slept in the face paint. And I said, no, it has to come off because you have to shave once every 24 hours. Sure. And so it has to all come off and all go back on. It takes three hours to put it on and about an hour to take off. Three hours. And I asked you as well if every single brush stroke is an intentional brush stroke and then there's a pause for meditation. And you said, uh, no, you said that it's just that there's that much love that goes into it, I guess would be the best, would be the best way to put it. There's so much um, attention to detail because it has to, it has to, you know, there's no well, And that's consistent with autism. Right. Um, the best explanation I had when I was finally diagnosed and I said, thank you, that explains a lot. Um, <laughs> the best explanation I had was that it's as if the autistic brain is wired backwards and you see all the details first and the generality second or not at all. Right. Which is why so many autistics struggle with not being overwhelmed because it's too much information coming in all at once. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me, too much information coming in all at once. Right. Um, the best illustration I found uh, is to um, use the metaphor of a jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. A neurotypical person will look at a jigsaw puzzle and see a picture composed of many pieces. The autistic perspective will look at that and see 500 pieces competing for attention. That's great. That's a really good way of putting it. That's really so. Of really course, good. I bring that that being detail oriented to the whole work of Sister Who mm -hmm. from the very beginning. In every single breaststroke, every single symbol, mm. the exact positioning of it. Um, the face paint evolved for the first seven now first three years mm -hmm. and the ritual garb evolved for the first seven years but as since then has remained absolutely constant mm -hmm. so this might be strange this might be a bit of a strange question but uh, in the uk we obviously have doctor who how mm -hmm. many times have you uh been what i'm trying to say is how many times is, have you had the connection between sister who and doctor who and what is the most frustrating misconception about sister who that you keep on getting so what is something that people keep on assuming so for example it could be something about the, the clown part of the description what is the most frustrating thing that you have to keep on saying no it's not about that or no you have it wrong what is the most frustrating thing um that i do this to get attention interesting and to maintain integrity of the work mm -hmm. i have to deliberately work against getting attention right um that i have to be really clear in my own mind that i'm not doing this to get attention yeah i'm doing it to serve others personal and spiritual growth right the, the whole point is to use symbol and metaphor in a way that makes people think and makes people grow mm. uh, it varies with the the response varies according to the individual though because it depends on whether the people are ready and willing to grow yes the people who are most rigid and um, have stagnated and don't want anything to change no matter what are the ones who will go out of their way to pretend there is nothing unusual and you know they'll look the other way they'll look down at the counter they'll uh, try so hard to pretend that there is nothing unusual in their environment um, is if they are clinging to denial in this way that is almost amusing. Sounds, sounds uh, a little bit like my life, I'll be honest with you. But it's 
It's fine. A bit like one? A bit my, my life. You're, you're cutting a bit close to my bones there, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but when in the middle, you have people who will make jokes about it, but not really want to get into a conversation. And then on the other side, you have people who will ask genuine questions and find themselves quite amazed at how uh, I'm actually very serious about it. And it's very deep. Absolutely. Yeah, but... We, me and Dallas knew that. Either of you, when I say any of that. Okay, no, I'm just it's just. In general. I'm a very, I'm a very like. This is my comfort zone, and this is where I stay. So that that was that was cutting very close to my vein. But no, me and Dallas knew that you were serious about this, and I don't know if you would agree with this. And, I, and I'm not trying to, um, I'm not trying to overwhelm you with compliments here. But one thing that stood out for me is that ev in this day and age, and I'm sure because you've been on the internet, you understand this. But there is there is social media everywhere. You've got your your Twitter, your Facebook, your TikTok, your YouTube. There's so many like social media websites that everyone is clamoring to be a content creator, go viral, and be unique. And that's great. We can all be unique in our own way. But I think a lot of people are trying to do it just for attention or just for the money because they know that influencers get money and stuff like that on your website i can't see it i can maybe i'm mistaken but i can't see a link to a tiktok i can't see a link to um you know twitter or or, or like youtube shorts or anything like that and me and dallas were discussing this and i think i said something along the lines of like well i don't think sister who needs to do this because i think sister who knows that Correct me if I'm wrong here, but maybe you believe that if people need to find you, they'll find you. And it, they don't need TikTok. They don't need any of these websites. You will find the people that you need to find. Um, so it doesn't matter if the I'm websites... Not sure, I'm not sure how much more obvious I could make it than ZitcherWho.com. Right. <laughs> right. But, but Dallas, when I found you, Dallas went, how the hell did you find this person? And I sort of just, I didn't have an answer because I, I've always had you in my head and I just thought, well, I just knew that you exist. I just knew that you were just a person on the internet. I don't know if that's flattering or not, but I, d I just knew that you existed. I just, I was just like, well, yeah, it's just Sister Who. It's just- I have a couple friends who have created a Sister Who presence on Facebook and Instagram, mm -hmm. but I cannot do, do those directly myself because right. they're too complicated and confusing and, not directly labeled the way my website is. Right. Uh, I used to be on Facebook, but they switched to the new, um, the new user interface. Yeah. Specifically to cater to mobile phones. Yeah. I don't happen to have a mobile phone because I live in the mountains west of Denver, where you can have only half the time can you even get a signal. Right. Um, so they're really not very reliable where I'm at. Mm -hmm. um, and they're so complicated that it would overwhelm and confuse me. Mm -hmm. so I don't have a mobile phone and um, I can't follow the technology in those directions because it gets so complex, yeah. so multi-layered that if somebody wanted to bring a sister who presents to those places, I would be happy to work with them. Mm -hmm. I can provide content forever. Yeah, right. How could you not? I mean, I, never, I, 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 I'm this limitless fountain, fountain of creativity. I guess right. you could say. Right. But I don't have the um, mental skills and the technological skills mm -hmm. to interface with those um, popular current tools. So there's a presence in a couple of places, but they're filtered through someone else. Right. They're not direct contacts with me. Yeah. The most direct way to contact me is simply to send 
an email to uh, Deanne at sisterwho.com. Mm-hmm. And you're and you are incredibly good at replying to emails. You're very quick. So if anyone does uh, does uh, want to send an email, dn at sisterwho.com. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So like, dn at sisterwho.com. The, the initials Denver Navarre. Denver Navarre. Reverend Doctor. Of course, we cannot forget. We cannot forget those titles. Keep on reminding myself mentally. Um, yeah. Yeah, and 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 I'm and you are you're extremely fast because sometimes you send people emails. Well, we don't get emails back sometimes, but Dallas hears enough about me complaining. So uh, <laughs> we, we've tried to get some people on, and we just get ignored. How dare they? Yeah. Um. So to get to move back to the the mystical side of Sister Who, would it be possible for you to? Do you, you to not give us a tarot reading, but could you give me and Dallas one card each and have some sort of insight in that way? Or does it take more preparation? Is it not something you could do off the top of your head or anything? Um, I can pull out my, my copy of the deck and just draw two cards at random and see what we get. That would be fantastic. If we could get some sort of interactive right now moment, that would be fantastic. If we could make that happen. Okay. That's um, great. While I'm getting my deck here, sure. uh, if I might throw in one other example of an interaction. Absolutely. Um, there was one time we were doing a photo shoot at Confluence Park in Denver, Colorado. Uh-huh. And uh, we did one of, of sitting on a rock and the water flowing around me and stuff. While we were there, a whole bunch of children showed up. And... Um, there was one particular young lady, about 10, who looked at me and said, ooh, scary. <clears throat> and I said, what part do you think is the scariest? And she said, the purple on your face. So I spent five minutes telling her all the metaphors and symbolisms of purple and the specific placement, how it was kind of like a cross, but not exactly, but it was uh, tip so that one eye was framed in purple and the other in white and so forth and everything I could think of for five minutes about the about that specific element of the face paint. Mm-hmm. And when I finished, uh, I looked at her and she was very quiet and thinking hard and, and I said, so are you still scared? And her eyes got really big and she said, no, I'm not. And I said, see, when you feel afraid, it means you're supposed to ask a question because you need to get more information. Absolutely, and 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 fear, fear and ignorance go hand in hand. You know, the more we learn, the more we understand, mm-hmm. the more the more uh, the more free we are, the more courageous. Well, we there be. are so many situations that are initially fearful, and the minute you ask a question, the fear starts going away. You know, even as basic as why are you dressed that way, mm-hmm. or what's your name, yeah, uh, and or what does that mean. Um, and it, it goes into this very um, multi-layered conversation that where you two people are actually meeting each other mm-hmm. instead of relying only on their perceptions. But forgive me for trying to, to to frame this through my point of reference. But I come I come from a city called Bristol, and there's a lot of what people would call weird. But for me, I think it's I think it's normal, and you get a lot of people. Oh. So, what was the first thing you said? You come from a what? A city called Bristol. 
there's okay. a, a city called Bristol. And um, so, for example, in in a couple of neighborhoods over, there's a guy who walks up and down the high street, dragging bits of plastic on a rope. That's what he does. And there's lots okay. of people. There's lots of people who laugh at that guy. But for me, who is a local, that's just how he is expressing himself. And it's just what he does. And I think a lot of that judgment is rooted in control because it's like, I want people to look like me. I want people to act like me. But by doing so, sure. you're inhibiting your own growth. Exactly. So I just let that... Like, it's, I'm not doing that. It's what they decide to do and it's their expression. Um, so I'm sorry to hear that that somebody said those words to you. I'm, I'm also glad to hear that they, they rectified that after some discussion. But it goes to show how... Yeah, exactly what you said. Some people will will judge before learning, um, which is very sad. Very, very sad. And they're avoiding their own growth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, but, but life by its very nature, I mean, I saw somewhere a poster that said the only evidence of life is growth. That's a good one. If you're not growing, there's no evidence that you're actually alive. That That's... that's um something that comes to you when you're trying to go to sleep at night i think that's one of those lines which, which is a really interesting and in some ways chilling yeah within the last decade i think the whole zombie craze right uh zombie movies and zombie television shows mm -hmm. what they're talking about is people who are no longer alive but feed on other people's brains that's essentially what a person who has stagnated is mm -hmm they're not embracing life they're not pursuing their own growth they're a human body that's walking around like a zombie doing things sucking life out of everyone around them without having the courage to truly live their own lives so in in many ways the most rebellious and and powerful thing you can do is is your own honest living of your own life absolutely you know whatever description it has Okay. Ooh, so oh, I did not expect. Sorry, I did not expect uh, an almost uh, almost therapy session. It's it's almost it's getting. Uh, I don't know if Dallas is feeling the same way, but um, I'm I'm seeing a few nervous sips of the coke over there. So I don't know if it's uh, don't know if it's hitting you. Cool. Pulling two cards <laughs> at random out of the deck. Wonderful. Would it be possible for you to do Dallas first? He likes to do this. At least once okay. per episode, I think. <laughs> I just want to throw Dallas under the bus before I yeah. get. <laughs> I'm that kind of person. <laughs> Hopefully, it's more empowering than being thrown under a bus. Um, the one I pulled for Dallas is the Seven of Thurible's. In trying to decide what the uh, four suits would be when I created the deck, Thurible's is, is essentially sensors or the those metal devices that the priest in the Catholic Church would swing back and forth to put incense smoke around. That's what a thurible is. Um, in this case, we have a seven of thuribles that actually forms a pyramid in front of me, the highest one in the center and going down each side. Seven is a number that is often tied to spiritual transformation, something that is going from one thing to another. Um, and trying to have, um, trying to integrate the spiritual presence in that, um, that there is as much awareness of the physical, you know, spreading my feet very wide so that I can uh, mirror the shape of the thuribles, um, as there is awareness of the non-physical. Um, additionally, thuribles are often used as representative of prayer. 
the idea that you're going from the incense into the air, transforming from physical into invisible spiritual. There's a transition going on the whole time that it's that it's oh, present. That it's multidimensional. It's not only physical. It's not only spiritual. It's both at the same time. Shall I continue, or is that enough? Yeah, I think that's enough. So, um, it it's okay. kind of it's kind of with me, just especially with talking to you now, is um, kind of being more aware of of spirituality is kind of a a theme in my life. I think I have my wife's very spiritual person so i'm a very not spiritual person and i think i you know it, it makes sense to to face that pretty much every day <laughs> well there's the whole non-physical part of yourself that wants to be part of who you are yeah and placing your hands in a way that you support the development of that spirituality in whatever ways are individually appropriate yeah, oh, well, that is fantastic. That's cool. <laughs> that, that was very cool. The the one I pulled for Jacob. Oh God, is the prodigy. <laughs> the prodigy. Enough said. Enough said for Jacob, right? <laughs> the prodigy. I was I was I was I was worried. I was like, and I pulled death. I was gonna be like, oh no. Well death can be good because it can be the end of things and, and the renewing of things. That's fantastic. But the prodigy Well, in my deck the, the death card uh, was changed to more directly represent transformation. Because okay. death is ultimately the movement of the person from the physical to the spiritual. Sure. And it refers to radical transformation, not mm -hmm. termination. But going back to the prodigy card there's again things going on in multiple levels mm -hmm. um you have making this hand gesture that creates a shadow of a bird and then on the table the different things um the teddy bear crayons uh there's a sense of youthfulness but also a sense of being way more than you would ever expect a child to encompass so it's almost I don't, the metaphor that comes to mind is the onion, but I'm not thinking of this being like an onion, but it's the reason the metaphor of the onion is often used is because it's layer upon layer upon layer. Sure. And often when we see a child, all we're seeing is the external person and we're not seeing the internal spirit. Mm -hmm. And it can take quite a number of years for that spirit to come out. The lesson in the prodigy is when you get an indication very early on that there is something more there that warrants care and attention and protection. Um, far too often in my growing up, um, there were societal divisions. What is acceptable for this age and this age and this age and this age? Um, I kind of like, and on a side note, I kind of like the uh, the graphic I saw of Johnny Depp in his pirate's costume once where he said, um, I don't know how to act my age because I've never been this age before. <laughs> <laughs> very um, good, very good. But, you know, with the prodigy, it's kind of releasing expectations and seeing just what can be discovered and right. what is possible and giving opportunity and resources to someone that you wouldn't otherwise give them to. Um, you know, when I was growing up, there were things that children were not allowed to have, not because they couldn't handle them, but because the adults didn't know how to teach them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
in some sense, it also raises the question, <clears throat> do we ever leave that behind? There are adults who are still prodigies that have never been adequately nurtured and allowed to develop. Um, it's like there's a prodigy inside of them that was never allowed to come out. Right. Absolutely. Uh, a sense of innocence, but also a sense of being wiser than one would ever expect. Mm -hmm. Is well, there anything more you'd like me to say about that? No, or? that's 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 really good. I don't I've, I don't want to take too much too much time. This okay. is this isn't about me. This isn't a, this isn't an interview for for me. But no one no one's tuning in from my tarot reading. No one cares that much. <laughs> uh, but that was just to give you an idea of what the deck can do. Absolutely, but it's not about predicting as much as it is about discovering. So Dallas's was more of a, a transformation, a, a spiritual transformation. Just, just, to, just to conclude for the view, for the listeners, I was going to say viewers, the listeners at home. Dallas was more about spiritual transformation and and the and uh, moving, the growing, We're finding the other part of himself and the other part of himself, which is he just got married, so so perhaps that's that's connected to that. And mine was the prodigy. Um, Again, just to repeat the prodigy for those of you who didn't catch that um, <laughs> was, <laughs> was uh, about being nurtured and also finding the inner, the inner growth. It doesn't mean doesn't mean that the prodigy prodigy is not held accountable mm -hmm. because there's some nurturing that has to go on at all times. Um, you know, very often what helps the prodigy develop the most sure. is not being indoctrinated with answers but being surrounded with constructive questions. Well, here's a good one for you, Sister Who. You are somebody with um, or, or an ordained minister of interfaith. Uh, you have a tarot set. You have all these uh, this knowledge, this theological knowledge inside you. But what is something that you categorically do not believe in? What is something that you have no faith in, you, you disregard it, and uh, something that you don't ever approach? Um, I don't know that I believe in the word impossible. It's it's more, rather than saying anything is impossible, it's better to ask what would it take? Mm -hmm. um, I guess as, you know, being so detail-oriented and forever asking questions, it's, it's also uh, one of the things that I decided long ago I don't believe in is the uncaused effect every effect has a cause and so to use the metaphor of the onion again there's no onion that has nothing in the center right once you get all the layers off what is in the center right and unless yeah. you peel the layers off and figure out every layer of the onion you'll never know is that i'm just going to throw something a long word is that the cosmological argument because I think I learned that in school, which is that everything is caused by something else and there's a huge chain of events. So everything has an impact on everything else that ever that's ever happened. So if you look around you, everything was caused well, by something else. But then you would have to decide you're looking for a for a chronological organization. Right. You're looking for an ideological um organization right or a historical historical and chronological are probably very similar uh -huh. um except historical is the part that's written down mm -hmm. there are so many things that have happened in history and caused other things that were never documented yes absolutely absolutely and to try to say at any point this is all that was known could not possibly be true absolutely yeah it's, it's all that was documented but that's as far as we can go mm. 
so there's no there's no religion that you just totally disregard or there's no belief system that you you're not on board with i guess the only thing i would uh, avoid um very strenuously is dogmatism uh-huh um which i often tell people the definition of dogmatism is that there is only one correct answer and it's the one i'm about to tell you <laughs> right right anytime you hear that it's it's time to roll your eyes and walk toward the door so i i oppose dogmatism uh-huh. i embrace the questions and i think growth is an incredibly individual thing and even within christianity mm-hmm. it seems to have gone unnoticed but if you look at the old testament God, the divine, as depicted within the Christian Old Testament, is incredibly individual. There is only one burning bush. There's only one Damascus road. There's mm-hmm. only one coat of many colors. You know, all these different things. There's only one. It's, it's for whatever reason, uh, the divine didn't seem all that interested in repeating one method for all the people. There, there were no one-size-fits-all answers. Huh. It was all very particular. And perhaps the greatest challenge of spirituality is that it is so individual. You can't get it from a church or a synagogue or a mosque or a temple. You have to develop it. Uh, you know, it's why perhaps in the Bible Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> the ultimate goal of Sister Who I. It, it was made clear to me a number of years ago is the creation of a genuinely interfaith spiritual retreat center. Right. And in trying to decide what the curriculum would be, you know, if somebody comes to the center and says, I need three days to get away. My best friend committed suicide. I just went through a divorce, whatever it was, Sure. whatever it was, they, they need something to deal with a spiritual part of themselves that is forced into transition. And I would say to them, the first thing you need to do, first thing you need to do before anything else, is learn to listen to your own heart, rather than having the world tell you who you are and what you should be and what you should do. First, begin with learning to listen to your own heart, mm-hmm. and from there we will begin to develop uh, an awareness of symbiotic relationships. Yeah. Um, which do I need do I need to explain symbiotic relationships? No, I think because we're because we're at seven minutes left. Um, what okay. I'd rather do is is move to to the tail end. I wish we had more time, but I just want to push to the to the end, which is where at the end of all our interviews, as we've done with all of, all the people we've done before, we like to give people uh, an opportunity to promote something that they care about, be that themselves, a project, uh, another person, a charity, a website anything so this is your time now to talk off go as nuts as you want plug whatever you need to after you sister who well i i don't know that i would go nuts in any way because i've been accused of being too conservative actually <laughs> uh, which i thought was really funny but um somebody asked what would be the legacy of sister who and i said ultimately it's probably the 501c3 religious nonprofit organization, which that may be only for the United States, but 501c3 means if you make any donations, they're tax deductible. But basically, it's something that a number of friends and I created a number of years ago called God Space Sanctuary. And it doesn't mean you have to believe in God, it's making space in your life for that which you relate to as, as God. 
whether it's a divine being or whether it's an ideological concept or whatever, I don't really care. But the idea that it's some place in your life that you hold for spirituality of whatever description. And so we have tried to create a spiritual sanctuary where people can come when they just need to get away for a little bit and recenter and listen to their own heart and figure out what they want to do with the craziness that is their life at the moment. And so for several years, it was a house that I owned in Northwest Denver, Colorado. Then through, I got dumped out of my first doctoral program because they didn't know what to do with an autistic. And then I finished it at a different school. But when I got dumped out of that program, I couldn't maintain the mortgage and so we lost the house and so forth. But until that point, I had transformed the front yard into a meditation garden. The uh, living room was a sanctuary. The front bedroom was a counseling and ministry room. And the backyard is where I built um, what I called my cathedral, which is this pipe structure, like 30 feet in diameter that had grapevines on it and a meditation labyrinth underneath it. Mm -hmm. So it was still applicable to any belief system. Um, the hope is that we will be able to go beyond that and uh, again acquire property and make a physical manifestation of God's Space Sanctuary again. Mm -hmm. uh, the website is godspacesanctuary.org. Um, and um, they, the hope is that we'll create this space. Which it's just the, the primary purpose of it is simply to, to provide space for individuals who want to pursue their own spirituality yeah. in individually appropriate ways. Mm -hmm. And when we get to that point, we will uh, reconstruct the cathedral, create meditation labyrinths, all sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. There are spaces mm -hmm. where people can listen to their own hearts, find whatever spirituality is appropriate to them, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's any one of the major religions or whether it's a totally personally designed um, form of spirituality. Uh, I have no judgment to offer. So mm -hmm. uh, God's Space Sanctuary, is known by the the credo um nurturing the relationship between human and divine without dogma or discrimination mm -hmm. it's it's got to be whatever is individually appropriate well i i encourage every every listener listening to go check out god space sanctuary and help in whatever way you can or maybe just uh, get in touch and, and see, I don't know, I, I'm sure you can accommodate every emails. I'm sure people can come to you for advice and everything like that. So I'll answer everyone. Absolutely. That's and, and if anybody ever wants to have a more of a conversation, they're welcome to contact me through that email address, dn at sisterwho.com. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time, for coming to us on a, on a Sunday afternoon and sitting down and, and, and giving us not just uh, an incredible insight, um, but also a tarot reading on top of that and just letting us know the ins and outs of Sister Who. So thank you so much for your time. We, we deeply, deeply appreciate it. May one and all and everything blessed and loved ever be. And welcome back to a podcast with strangers. You have hit the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening in and also a big, huge, uh, well, peace and love to, to Sister Who, an incredible person to uh, to interview, to talk to, to spend some time with. Chris, when you you said to me when we were when you were editing, you said that it felt like a therapy session. Yeah, I felt like I was sitting in on an hour long therapy session yeah. with you. They're like a, a really, they're a gentle soul, I would say. I 
I honestly felt real bad cutting out a lot of just the long silences of you readjusting your life. <laughs> yeah, but they were excruciating. Yeah, so they, they were had to go. Yeah, it was for not you, good podcasting for you. For me, it was life changing. For you, yeah, I guess that was boring. I guess, God forbid. Yeah, your chakras realigning sounded very not good. Yeah, they were crunching across the floor as they were realigned, <laughs> grinding. Yeah, so it's been a year since you've had the interview with uh with Sister Who, right? Do you yeah. remember what she drew for you out of her tarot card? No. Wasn't it like death or something? No, no, no. It wasn't what death. What was it? It was, it was the prodigy. Oh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, that's right. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. That's right. She did say the prodigy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do you feel like uh, your life has become the prodigy in a year? Um... I, <laughs> well, that was the like, like what? You're, I, you're I, unaligning his chakras right now. I'm sorry, I'm Chris. Doing? Stop it! My sorry, chakras, I'm Chris. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm, I'm new here. Um, but that's the thing. Like, I think we talked about that in the podcast. Like, what does prodigy mean? And you know, does it mm -hmm. mean that I'm changing the world or something like that? I think I'm in a better place. I think I'm in a, in a I'm in a, in a happy place right now. But I don't, is that prod, prodigical? Is that a word? I don't know, dude. Chris, you're Prodigy. messing with my mind, man. <laughs> yeah, I forget what she drew for Dallas. Yeah, I don't remember either. Probably something cool like... I don't know, you, you were talking about being spiritual and how you wish that you were more spiritual. Are you more spiritual, oh, yeah. Dallas? Oh, since then? Eh. Okay, great. <laughs> That's not a no. Since, yeah, it's not a no. It's Sister not no. who inspired it in me at the moment. I bet if I kept on, you know... You would have been a shaman would've. by now. Yeah, I would have. That would have been sick. People. Be eating people's sins, spitting them out. Oh, come on. Now you got to do it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess I'll get spiritual. Guess. Guys. But Dallas, you also looked up the sulk bag thing from the, from the midsection. Can you, you want to teach us your findings? Oh, yeah, yeah. Google says it's a sleeping bag with arms and legs. But the name. The oh, name yeah. Silk. yeah. Um, uh, supposedly relating to this is supposedly so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. take it with a grain of salt relating to the Selknam tribe indigenous to Tierra del Fuego and other parts of Patagonia mm, right yeah yeah that's the rock, obviously. Right? obviously obviously you didn't know that the fucking sleeping bag with arms had such history all right all right Chris have you enjoyed your your first day on the podcast beat have you enjoyed it yeah, yeah. That's cool. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for uh, taking me in. Oh, that's right. All right. Well, to you, the viewers at home, I hope you've had a nice time as well. And I hope you tune in for the next episode, which I don't know what it will be, but it'll be. What is it going to be? be? Bagman? Uh, nah, yeah, sure. Bagman. All right. Tune in for the Bagman. He can bend space, he can bend the spaces between atoms. Am I joking? You'll have to tune in and find out. Jake, I haven't listened to that one yet. Are you joking? No. Okay. That's that medium. Good.